Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at Discovery Point Church. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message inspires you and is the beginning of a life-changing relationship with Jesus. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Romans chapter 8? Romans chapter 8. Of course, we have been making our way through this amazing epistle to the church at Rome, the believers at Rome. We we began in chapter 5, and we're going to end in chapter 8, I think. Chapter 8, I believe, is likely Paul's crown jewel in the epistle to the Romans, and hopefully you have been following along in the conversation of the exchanged life. And today's reminder, the events that, that our country has gone back 20 years and remembered that time. That, it, it's a great segue into tonight's conversation. And before we go there, I want to remind all of us that, that the believers, that, that our glory is coming. It, it, is a, it is a future reality that those of us who have bowed a knee to Christ, we were created for God's glory, and that day is in the future. In fact, in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 17, Paul says this, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Verse 18, he repeats something similar. Notice what he says. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that we will be revealed in us. If you go down to verse 30 of chapter 8, Paul repeats the same thing, that glory is our future. Notice what he says. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. We were created for his glory, according to Isaiah chapter 43. But in the meantime, and in between time, Paul addresses another aspect of our existence and he calls it this idea that we are currently now in in this environment of groaning, groaning. And he talked about creation groaning. Pastor Rod talked a little bit about that last week in in a powerful message. And so tonight we want to pick up on that element, not of glory, that's coming, but the reality that we are now in this environment of groaning. And, and I don't know the best way to define groaning. I kind of define it this way. It's that nonverbal expression of intense inner pain. When you're hurting so bad that you really can't even express it with words. It's a, it's a, mm, right? It, it's a, it's so deep and so hurtful and you're so distraught as you try to express what you're feeling. The best thing that can come out of us is a groan. And so since that is our current reality on this earth, surely we are not at the mercy of the groaning. And this weekend at Discovery Point, I I want us to talk about going from groaning to glory and in the process, how do we wait well as we are in that groaning? I'm just going to give you a few things from God's Word tonight. The first one being this, how do we wait well? First of all, we wait well when we wait with an eager hope. Look at what the Scripture says, beginning in verse 22 of chapter 8, reading through verse 25a. Paul says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, which about half of us know what that is. Right, ladies? 
about half of us know what the, the pain of childbirth is in the room, but Paul compares the groaning to childbirth. He says right up until this moment, there's been this, chain of, this pain of childbirth and right up to the present time. Now notice 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Verse 24. For in this hope we were saved. But that hope is seen as no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. How do we wait well in the midst of a life that experiences this groaning, this intense distraught pain that oftentimes we cannot verbalize? Paul tells us, first of all, as believers, we wait with an eager hope. Now, if we were to dive a little deeper here, the, the Greek meaning here is there's this anticipatory hope, this, this eagerness. Now, Paul gives us some reason for this eagerness. He gives us three reasons in the passage. First of all, Paul says it's because, first of all, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. Now, the first fruits of the Spirit is simply the proof that there is more to come. When we get the deposit of the Spirit in our life, Paul talks about this in Ephesians, that the, the Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our redemption. When we, when we get the first fruit and the deposit of the Spirit, that begins this element, and we have something that we can eagerly hope for in this life. You know, when you, when you see a fruit tree, if you have a fruit tree at your house, how many of you have fruit trees at, in your backyard or front yard? Or Okay, a couple of you have fruit trees. It's kind of a big thing when we moved to Phoenix. We weren't aware you could have fruit trees. We, we didn't even know that coming from Oklahoma, but we saw a lot of fruit trees. And, and if you have that fruit tree, when that, that first orange or that first lemon, when, you, when, you, when that first lemon or orange dawns on your fruit tree, you're like, yay, there, there's more to come. It, it's the first fruit. It, it's proof that, that there is more to come. And the first fruit of the Spirit in our lives tells us that there is more to come. So for example, when kindness drops out of your life, when gentleness drops out of your life, when, when you want to lose it, but all of a sudden self-control emerges out of your character, that is proof that the first fruits of the Spirit, that fruit is active in your life. When you begin to understand that, you know what? I don't have to win the argument. I'm willing to lose the argument to win the person. When we first moved to Phoenix some 20, 21 years ago, I had a buddy in Oklahoma City, and he was telling me about this place called Krispy Kreme Donuts. Now, in Oklahoma City, I frequented a place uh, called Daylight Donuts, and it is no Krispy Kreme Donuts. Trust me, have a good donut, but it's not a Krispy Kreme Donut. So he told me about this place, and he had, I think he had been to a Krispy Kreme and, and maybe in Las Vegas. He was telling me about it. And so when we arrived, we, we came in from Phoenix. We, we drove 40 West, Flagstaff South, and we exited on Bell Road. And as we exited Bell Road, we took a left. Now we're heading east on Bell Road, and we're going to take a right, or we're going to head south at 83rd Avenue. We had an apartment just about a half a mile south of 83rd Avenue. Do you know where the ice rink is, the ice den, whatever? We were moving into an apartment directly across from the ice den. 
And as we're making our way down 83rd Avenue, just south of Bell Road, about a quarter of a mile down on the right-hand side, guess what? A Krispy Kreme. That was proof enough to me that the sovereignty, providential hand of God was all over this move. There's the Krispy Kreme. We drive another a quarter of a mile or so to our apartments, and it's, it's like mid-July uh, or mid-August. It's miserable. It's hot. We're depressed. We're discouraged. We've left family. The kid, it, it, it's a little bit of a circus, to be honest with you, and we probably had our dauber down a little bit. And so I had this brilliant idea. My buddy had been telling me about Krispy Kreme, and I thought, well, tomorrow morning, first thing, I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to go to that Krispy Kreme. And so I get up early, and I'm going to go to the Krispy Kreme, and I'm going to get some donuts, because when life is going difficult, always have a donut. It always seems to help. And so I made my way to the Krispy Kreme, and I was going to pick up a couple donuts for the kids and some chocolate milk. They go together, you know. And so I made my way into that Krispy Kreme and opened the door and I walked in and there was a person standing there. I don't remember if it was a man or a woman. The best way I could describe them is that they were like an angel. And they were holding a warm Krispy Kreme donut. And that warm Krispy Kreme donut had this wonderful icing kind of dripping off of that donut. And when that angel handed me a little slice of heaven, I received that slice of heaven. And by the way, you don't have to encourage me to eat a donut. I will pretty much eat a donut. You don't have to tell me to eat the donut. The young person who handed me the donut did not say, oh, eat the donut. Before I got the whole thing in my hand, in fact, I think I ripped the donut out of the person's hand and I took a bite of that amazing, the glory of God. It was grander. It was just heaven just dripping off of me. At that moment, I realized there was an eager hope for another Krispy Kreme donut. I don't think I walked out of there that morning with a few donuts. I might have walked out with a few dozen donuts. We used to sing an old song that went something like this, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. The psalmist in Psalms 34, 8 says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. The Hebrew there actually means Krispy Kreme. I mean, it is that good, right? And that's what Paul's saying. There's this, if you're like, Pastor, how in the world can I have a, a, an eager hope? How can I have this expectation in the midst of the groaning of life? It is because if you're a believer, you have the first fruits of the Spirit proving that there is more to come. And then Paul mentions something else in the passage. He says, we are eagerly awaiting adoptions as sons. As I saw that, I begin to wonder, wait a minute, I... I thought we were already adopted. We're, we're waiting the adoption. And as I thought through the adoption process, according to the New Testament, it is true. The papers have been signed. We've been sealed. The bags are packed. But we've yet to be delivered. When we were adopted, we did not transition from here to there. The Father transitioned from there to here. Do you understand the process of adoption? So, so currently the adoption process, it's signed, sealed, bags are packed. We're ready to make the transition. But in the meantime and in between time, in the midst of the groaning, we're not, we've not gone to the Father yet. The Father has come to us. And then Paul says something interesting in the passage. He also talks about the redemption of our bodies. Say hallelujah. <laughs> the redemption of our bodies. What a stunning idea because... When I think about the idea of redemption, 
I think primarily about this aspect of, of my soul being redeemed, my spirit being redeemed, and, and that's true. But Paul takes it a step further, and he talks about this, this redemption of our bodies. You and I get a new glorified body. That is a powerful, stunning thought. Listen to what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus, who, by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. While the Bible does not talk in detail of what this glorious body looks like, we, we do know that it looks a lot like Jesus' resurrected body. In fact, some theologians think that our body, our new resurrected body, will be the age of 33. It's a pretty common idea among theologians. But here's what I know about this new glorified body. Anybody remember 33, by the way? It's been a minute for me. How about you? It's been a while, baby, I tell you. But at 33, and that's just a theory, it's not, uh, there's no biblical uh, we don't see it in the scriptures, just what people think if we're going to have this body like Jesus. But what we do know, that gone will be all the infirmities, the cancer, the diabetes, the disease, the dementia, the Alzheimer's, the pains, the, the groans, the moans, the sorrows. It's all going to be gone. Amen. And we receive a new glorified body. It is a powerful, powerful truth. This is why we have this eager hope. This is why we can lean in with anticipation of the amazing work that God is doing in our life. Even when we are in the midst of the groaning, we will have this glorified body with Christ and that glory that we experience with Him will come in the form of a new body. I'll take one. How about you? I wouldn't mind having a little improvement right now. You as well. There's this eager hope in the midst of this groaning that we took to our experience. But he mentions something else. Notice in verse 25, the second part of the verse, he talks about this idea, we wait with a purposeful patience. Look at what he says. I'm going to read the entire verse of 25. He says, but if we hope for what we don't yet have, we wait for it patiently. We wait for it patiently. Now, the Greek word here in the verse carries this idea of it, of a cheerful endurance as we experience the groaning in this life, the Scripture calls us to a cheerful endurance. The word also means to, to have a purposeful intention, to be loyal to Jesus Christ. It's not a passive patience. No, no. It is a purposeful patience. It's not the patience when you go to the doctor's office and you're sitting and you're waiting. I'm not sure we can go to the doctor's office now, but if you could, you, you know what I'm speaking about, or a hair appointment, or you have an appointment, and, and you're just waiting. This is not what that talks about. This is a purposeful, intentional waiting. That includes not just a, a passive waiting, but moving into purpose and, and intention, and we're carrying out the work of the kingdom while we are patiently waiting on that day of redemption. Listen to what, Paul, listen to what James says in James chapter 5, verse 7. Listen to this verse. It's on the screen. Be patient, then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and the spring rains. You too, be patient. Stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Farmers have a purposeful patience. They prepare, they work, 
and they wait on the rain to come. But they just don't work. They, they're working the land. And as believers, when we think about a life that is caught in this swirl of groaning, this suffering, this turmoil that we experience, we need to wait with an eager hope. We need to wait well, and we wait well when we have this purposeful patience. And the last thing that I want you to see is that we wait well when we wait and we understand we have a powerful helper. Look at this amazing, these two amazing verses in verses 26 and 27. Paul ends this section this way. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we should pray for. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I want you to see this. In the passage, Paul mentions three elements of groaning. Creation, humanity, and the Spirit. You see that? Three elements. As humanity groans with creation, there is a connection in that groaning. The Spirit groans with us as believers. Notice what he says in verse 27. And he, I believe he's speaking of the Father there, who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. In verse 26, Paul says, in the same way, in like manner, that's the idea. He is likely tying this this ministry of the Spirit back to the ministry of hope. In other words, as hope sustains us in the groaning, the Spirit supports us in the groaning. It's a powerful idea. And, and this, this element of, of weight, notice what he says, is that, of help. He says this, this, this help is on the way, the help is coming, and, and, and the help is arriving. That word is used only one other time in the New Testament. And it's used in the story of Martha and Mary and Jesus in Luke chapter 10. You may know the story. Jesus shows up at Martha and Mary's house. That would make me a little nervous as well. How about you? And, and Martha, she gets things going. She's going to get things done. And, and, of course, Mary, she's in listening to Jesus, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Not Martha. She's on the move. She's getting things done. She's getting the snacks ready. She's getting the Krispy Kremes ready. She's warming them up in the microwave, getting the, the, the milk ready. I'm teasing. Maybe they did have Krispy Kremes. I don't know. And then Martha enters into the area where Jesus is speaking and Mary is seated. This is how you know things are spinning out of control. When you begin to tell Jesus what to do. And Martha tells Jesus, likely with Mary sitting there, Jesus, tell her to help me. The word's only used twice in the New Testament. In the passage referring to the Holy Spirit, and then when Martha tells Jesus, have Mary help me. It's this idea of, of carrying a heavy load. It, it's the idea of, of getting support. It, it's the idea that, that, that you take one end and someone else takes the other end and you carry more than you can carry alone. Not letting the weight of this life, not letting the weight of this life destroy the weight in the groaning. It seems to me in our world, the groaning is intensifying. It seems that as every day goes by, the groaning begins to grow. 
Would you agree with that? The groaning begins to grow, and the groaning begins to intensify, and, and, and this groaning begins to create a distraughtness, a despair in our lives. If you're here in the room or you're watching online, if life hasn't brought you to your knees yet, it likely will. Life has a way in the groaning of bringing us to our knees, places of despair where we're distraught, places so intense in our lives where we begin to wonder, is it worth going on? And it's likely you know somebody, unfortunately, who might have decided that life was not worth living. The groaning grew too intense for them to bear. The groaning grows intense, and when we think about the groaning that Paul is talking about here, I want you to think about your own personal journey, the challenges that you have or that that you are up against right now, and and the groaning in your life. Maybe Maybe it's health, maybe it's financial, maybe it's a relationship, but it's likely those of us in this room, there's something in our lives where that groaning is intensifying. But it's just not our personal journey. It's our national and our global journey as well. It's 24-hour news. And with the 24-hour news, you get various opinions. It's more than just 24-hour news. You get the news before it comes on at 5 o'clock. Now, in fact, I think there's a first at 4 on Channel 12. It's not even 5. They're first at 4. But you don't even even have to get the first at 4. You get that way before first at 4 gets it because it comes on your phone. And all of this creates an environment of groaning. All of this intensifies the groaning in our lives, right? Wildfires in the west. Hurricanes in the east. Pulling troops out of Afghanistan. Oh, and I think we have a global pandemic we're not sure what to do with. All of that creates chaos and groaning. And by the way, friends, that's not by accident. This is the work of the enemy. He creates an an environment of groaning where that we will experience despair, where we will lose hope, where we will experience a distraughtness in our lives. And it's all swirling about, if our lives are not difficult enough now, there's all these other things that we deal with. Oh, and by the way, it wasn't that long ago that many people in previous generations would have no idea of these things, correct? Ding, ding, we're the lucky ones right? You're going to go home tonight and there's going to be breaking news. And by the way, it's not going to be great news. Tomorrow morning you're going to wake up, there's going to be another story that's, that's breaking. Then after that story breaks, there's going to be a different story. And then when that story breaks, you're like, wait a second, I'm trying to process a story I heard about on Saturday night. You already got new stories on Sunday morning. That's, that's the nature of the culture. On, recently on a flight back from Oklahoma City to Phoenix, on the plane on the Southwest Airlines flight, I began to watch a movie called News of the World. Tom Hanks. Has anybody seen this movie? News of the World. Tom Hanks. And I'll just let you know right now, 
I landed before the movie was over. I have no idea how the movie ended. I went to get it on Netflix or Amazon. It was like $3.99. I'm like, nah, never mind. <laughs> News of the world is this story. Tom Hanks is a, he's a Civil War veteran. And a part of the movie, kind of the theme of the movie is Tom Hanks runs across this, this young girl, and, and, and ultimately he's trying to get this young girl back to her original family. And I'll, full disclosure, I don't know if he got her there or not. Don't tell me. I may, I may rent it. Maybe my wife will get that for me for my birthday. But here's what I found fascinating about the movie. Tom Hanks' character made his living by going to small towns and reading the newspaper. It's a fascinating idea. He'd show up at a small town, he would break open a newspaper from a larger city, and he would read the news. Now that's old news, is it not? How long did it take for that news to get there on horseback? And not only that, once they heard the news, how long did it take for them to process that news before the next guy came through to read the breaking news that broke two months ago? We don't get the luxury of processing our life like that these days, do we not? What a beautiful thing if we heard the news once a month. We're like, that'd be, I mean, I'd like to know what's going on, but come on. All of this stuff, this swirling, this groaning, it's creating something in our lives of despair. And we need to look to Christ and we need this, this eager hope, this purposeful patience. And never forget, we have a powerful helper in the Holy Spirit. And when life brings us to our knees, the Spirit will intercede. And He intercedes according to God's will. Man, you ever been so distraught you didn't know what to pray? You ever been so distraught you didn't know what to say to God? The Spirit is working in that environment in accordance to God's will. Let me leave you with this. I want you to remember two things. Number one, that our groaning will never exceed His grace. Paul teaches us this. His grace is sufficient. Our groaning will never ever exceed God's grace. Second thing I want you to take away is this. Is that our groaning will be exchanged for His glory. Hold on. Be patient. Be purposeful. Have an eager hope about your life. Rely on, submit to, in humility to the Holy Spirit. Because we're going from groaning to glory. It's a long, challenging journey. But once we get there, we will experience something that we've never experienced before in this life. I'm going to do a little commercial for next week's passage. Romans chapter 28, 29, and 30. I want you to read ahead. I, I want you to spend some time with those three verses. I want you to understand there's this, this idea, and, and I just I want you to read ahead. Because I want you to discover, I want the Spirit to teach you something even before you arrive next weekend. Teach you something out of those verses maybe that you've never quite understood before, and I will tell you, it is life-changing. It is life-changing. Let me pray with you. Father, we pray tonight. We thank you for our time together. Lord, there are some of us in the room whose life currently 
could be characterized best by the word groaning, hurting, pain, distraught, confusion. Father, I would say many of us have experienced that at some level. Where we experience something in life that life brought us to literally to our knees. And Lord, the beautiful thing about it is when we are brought to our knees, the scriptures teach us that the Spirit intercedes. That the Spirit groans with us. That the Spirit identifies with us. That the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us. That's what the Holy Spirit is, the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, the one who helps. So, Father, I pray tonight as believers, those of us who are believers in the room, that we will move forward in a world that is saturated with groaning, with an eager hope. Father, that we will wait with a purposeful patience. And that we will wait and understand that we have a powerful helper. And Lord, there is nothing in our lives. The groan will never exceed your grace. And one day, we exchange all of the groaning for your glory. Be blessed and honored. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today. We pray you allow this message to transform you to take what you learned and share the love of Jesus to those around you. You can stay informed and connected by following Discovery Point Church on all social media platforms. Thank you and God bless you.